Well, Sean, it was a blast recording today's episode. So what do we talk about? <laughs> we talked about your mom. We talked about, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Do it again. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, keep going. We talked about my mom, but not really. What did we talk about? We talked about, <laughs> we didn't laugh. We didn't really laugh that much during the show, but for whatever reason, my wife just popped in right now. Bro, do it over. I'm sorry. No, we're still going. So here's what I have, and I'm going to let you add to it. Here's what we talked about. How you can find the gift in any situation, how your secret weapon is staying congruent to the beliefs that you carry, pivoting is inevitable, embrace it to thrive, how having an anchor of gratitude will lead to your success, you have the fountain of youth waiting to be grown inside of you, how the biggest mistake you can make is becoming a human filing cabinet, how the fear of being wrong leads to stagnation or failure, how the illusionary finish line creates failure, are you meeting the expectations of your genes to help you thrive, the, see, the three secret areas of focus to create self-confidence, have you accepted the gift that you are with also how to reclaim your health sovereignty, how following someone else's framework will lead to their results and your struggles, do you know your metabolic fingerprint and what parts need your attention? Are you ignoring the most important signal you have for your health? Does your food have integrity or is it lying to you? Are you eating food that had a Brazilian berry lift? Health is something you attract to you by the person you become. Do you know why asparagus makes your pee smell or not? And you have to be a voice and not an echo. That's why we can just laugh at the end of all that. That's amazing, baby. I love it. So Sean Stevenson's on the show from the Model Health Show, and we're about to drop the episode. So Sean, thanks for being here. Everybody else, here's the intro, and let's get into the episode. Are you ready to ethically scale your business? Good. Because this is the Mind of George podcast, where relationships beat algorithms, and depth is the only direction when it comes to ethically scaling your business. Each Monday and Friday, I'll be the guy between your ears in the hoodie and pink shoes guiding you home, giving you the tools to extract, honor, and amplify your genius so you can be the light for your customers. Sound fabulous? Cool. Let's get into the episode. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Mind of George Show where I probably should have been recording for the last 20 minutes because it's been go time. I almost forgot to hit record because my brother from another mother, a man that I admire, a leader, the leader of the free world, (laughs) the disprover of false science, the helping people live healthy from the inside out, the guy who wrote a book called Quantum Health 11 years ago and still to this day helps people turn up the volume, help them sleep better, be happy, and literally somehow breeds a family of Adonis sculptures and leading by example because he is so good at what he does, but he is the host of the Model Health Show, the author of Sleep Smarter, Eat Smarter, and Quantum Health for a really big throwback. My dear friend, I am honored to have you, and by the way, one of the best husbands and fathers I've ever met, so welcome to the show, Sean. That's it, man. I'm retiring. That is the... I can't believe that that's me. That's you. That's you even brought up my first book that shall I, – I tried to hide it so no one would find it. I appreciate it, man. I have that quotable from like Wedding Crashers, that redhead. I'm like, I'll find you. <laughs> you can't hide on the internet, man. That's right. You, it, it, everything is, is, is available and trackable. I am, I am so honored to have you. We have been friends for a long time. Um, I've talked about you on the show like three times already. 
uh, because I told the story how I'm doing what I'm doing today because of a phone call that you made. The guy mm. who calls me when my wife is seven months pregnant, I'm losing 40 grand a month in a business that I don't love, and I'm pretending to have it all together. And you're like, come hang out with this group of people that you feel like you don't belong with, and then I have a career walking out the door. And so for those of you that have heard me tell the story, I'm probably going to cry. Um, when Lindsay was eight months pregnant and we were a couple weeks away from bankruptcy, the phone call came from this guy to come visit. And then that led to me having the career that I have now and probably this show and apparently realizing that I was good at marketing and business besides just making fucking recipes. So um, <laughs> the man in person, uh, somebody that I owe a lot to. So Sean, thank you from the bottom of my heart publicly on my own show for being that light in the world and allowing me to become my own lighthouse in the future. So thank you. Brother, I've got full body chills, man. Thank you so much. Listen, there's two things there I got to say. Number one, please don't stray too far from the recipes because after we're done, I have your uh, buffalo chicken casserole right, waiting for me. Number two, you know, you coming to that mastermind, you know, I pulled in, I mean, these are some bosses. Yep. And I didn't even, there was no thought but George should be here. Mm. You know, that's, it was just automatic because of the, it's not just the person you are, but you're just literally bubbling with potential, not just for yourself, but for other people. Mm. And that's the unique thing about you, man. And so, yeah, I, I'm grateful. Like that was all a, a, a preview to today. So I'm just so grateful to be with you, man. Right, dude. I, I like, I could reminisce with you all day. I remember burger lounge with drew we were knocking down and we end up having the same birthday and becoming friends. And I mean, it's, it's a beautiful gift, man. You are the you are the maestro of joy, happiness, congruency. I mean, it's it's absolutely amazing, and so I'm stoked. I'm stoked to have you. Um, I do have to ask this, and I know you really well, but I always start the episode with the same question because it's really easy to celebrate wins, but I feel like the best lessons come from challenges, and all of us tend to have this thread that we always fall back on, right? Like this guiding non-negotiable principle. And you've been in this game for a long time. And I mean, I know your story. I've been around. And when you look back, you've written three books. You have one of the top podcasts in the world. You were seeing clients. You are a science nerd beyond belief. I don't even understand half the words that are coming out of your mouth. But you have written. You have explored. You have launched products. You have done it all. And you have had quite an illustrious journey as an entrepreneur, as a husband, as a father. So if you look back at that, what is one of the biggest lessons in this whole journey that you've learned that you carry as a guiding principle that you use every day now? Mm. I'm using it today. Yeah. You know, right now, as, as we're recording this right now, um, Apple is making some changes, Apple Podcasts, which is the biggest platform for podcasts. And whatever they're doing behind the scenes, it's really gumming up a lot of people's podcasts. It's like not getting distributed properly. It's not yep. uh, refreshing and uh, getting to, to listeners. And so for me, and this, this is a challenge that's coming up just on this day currently, they'll get it figured out. But for a lot of folks, it can be like all hell's going to break loose for sure. And I could easily fall into that because as a revenue source, it's how we pay our team. It's, you know, how I, I, I literally, the episode that just got released, I prepared for 15 hours for the episode, plus the 20 years of experience in the field, but 15 hours. And then it, we publish it and it just doesn't show up. And so, so with that said, you know, for me, it's always carrying this 
this constant understanding that this is happening for me, you know, in some way, there's some kind of a gift in this. And it's not, it's not to be all, you know, rosy posy. It's really to, to, it's, it's a, it's a fact of reality. Should we choose it? Because the number one driving force of the human psyche is to stay congruent with the ideas that we carry of ourselves and of reality. So if I choose that as my belief, that is going to be my reality. And so when these situations come up, I'm immediately, same thing with my wife. She just came back in, she went to work out and she was telling me about another guy, you know, everybody should know his name, Tony Robbins sharing on, I think it was on his show recently that he saying he's got multi-billion dollar companies that what happened with all the shutdowns really, really fucked up his revenue and really messed up his vision and his impact because he does these live events and all of a sudden they've got to figure out how to address, you know, a big chunk of their revenue. And he didn't want to, he fought it, he fought against it. He's like, there's no way you can, we can duplicate this experience virtually. Like people have to be in the, and there's, it's true. However, we've got to be able to pivot. And so he actually came up with this technology. It's like some kind of an earpiece or whatever that vibrates, you know, and it's getting sent out to all the, the people, the virtual uh, event. And then, you know, they've got this incredible surround um, screens and all these different things. So you can see all the people and this really cool thing came from it. And so this is going to be inevitable for all of us, no matter where we are, whether we're struggling, uh, really kind of underperforming for what our potential is, what we see for ourselves, or we're at the very top of our game. And here's a secret. This is the last piece. I believe that it's really about growing yourself as a person because problems are going to continue to happen. There's no way. The only time you're not going to have a problem is when you are dead, when you're dead. And so if you have a, if you've worked on yourself and you become aware of this human potential, which is limitless really, but we'll just say the human potential scale is a 10. You could be a 10 human. If you, we, and we come all here with a clean template, you know, we'll just say we all come here where we're at a one. If you work on yourself, you know, maybe you're not even aware of it, but you, you know, you overcome some, some obstacles, you get some life lessons, maybe you're at a three and then a level three problem happens. It's going to destroy you. It's going to mess up your whole reality. But if you're a level seven person or level eight person and a level three problem happens, you can literally take care of that on your lunch break, you know, or you can have somebody else take it. Just it's the whole thing is different. Your perspective changes. So for me, it's all about every day growing myself as a person, regardless of what's happening in the world and carrying with me continuously, no matter what happens. And I've been through some some absolutely terrible and terrifying instances in my life that somehow this is happening for me and some gift is going to come as a result. I mic drop the end mic drop like the end. And by the way, I had the best image when you said when you're a level seven person and like a level three comes in, man, I remember like going back in my career laughing now because like 2010, 2011, when I launched my first info product, right? And like a link was broken. I'm like, the world is ending. It cost me $80. And then COVID happens and I lose seven figures in like 30 minutes. And I'm like, cool, here we go. Right. And it's, it's all that perspective. And we were talking about this before the show though. Like I love that perspective and pick pick your analogy, pick your poison, pick the book, whether it's extreme ownership, whether it's there's no plan B for your A game, whether it's 
all the recommended that we're responsible for what we do, um, at the end of the day, we can always find the meaning in the pivot. And I love when you talked about the pivot it's seeing it and making adjustments. And so you are somebody that I feel like more than anyone I know prepares in silence, like really, really works on yourself. And like, I really don't think a lot of people understand the level of depth that you go to, to create what you create. And I mean, I see, and I know you personally, and I haven't even been behind the scenes in a while. I haven't talked to you in am, but like when I watch you put out a piece of content, I'm like, I know him. I'm like, there were 60 hours put into that piece of content. Like, and I think it's huge, but I also think it's a testament to what you're talking about. And so I would love to hear, like, when you think about that, like you're somebody that's so consistent, right? Like you hit your workouts, you hit your family time, like you hit your needle movers, you do your thing and you talk about how really the secret to our success is building ourself. What are yeah. your non-negotiables when it comes to building yourself? Mm. For me, the first thing is just learning something every day, you know, and this, there was a time when all I wanted to do was just learn about nutrition, anatomy, human health. I was obsessed with that. Um, but today it's much more because also with that, you could start to become a human, a human filing cabinet and just know a bunch of shit, but yes. you also have to learn, you've got to learn how to communicate it and share it because just bottling all that stuff up, is not going to help anybody but yourself. So today it's much more diversified. So I might learn about some random thing that no one would ever s s expect that I'm, that I'm into or, or learning about. And I might not even be quote into it. You know, I might like just watch a documentary on board games, you know, like where, where was the first board game? When were they playing? Like, I don't know, dominoes with teeth or something. I it was, don't know, a, it but... was a good documentary, by the way. I watched it on Netflix. <laughs> so this is what I'm saying. There's always something to, to feed our minds. And also the beauty, here's the cool part. When you learn something from different domains, you start to find the intersection between that thing that is your thing and all these other things. And you can start to relate to people differently. You know, you can really start to relate to more people. So that's for me, non-negotiable every day. I will feel like I've accomplished a, a lot and I can lay my head down at night and feel accomplished if I learn something. For me, that equates to I'm just getting at least just 1% better. So that's one non-negotiable. The other non-negotiable is, and it's just built into, into my system really is movement. You know, life is movement and I can't even explain this enough. Well, I mean, we, I can literally, we can get into it, but there's so many cognitive benefits. And, you know, if we know one thing about long quote longevity, this term longevity, exercise and movement is like a virtual fountain of youth, you know, especially the big thing that we see with aging that just creates this uh, proclivity towards all manner of degeneration is a loss of muscle. And so we can, this is the cool thing about it is that that's something we can make. You can decide to make more of it. And it's really like a reservoir for anti-aging hormones, it's neurotransmitter, all these different benefits. But here's the biggest thing in all the data that we have now is really affirming how the development of muscle is something that actually creates a buffer against stress in our lives. So making ourselves physically stronger does in fact make us more resilient when we have opposition, mm. right? And also it cues our brains up. And this is some of the, the, the research I just had this conversation with a really great health psychologist, 
um, Kelly McGonigal. Mm -hmm. And here's the cool thing is that it also sensitizes our brain for more pleasure. For whatever reason, exercise does that as well. So for me, that's another non-negotiable. At, at, at least I'm going to get in, you know, just go for a walk, get outside, get some fresh air, you know, but, you know, multiple times a week, I'm doing something proactively to make myself physically stronger. I love it. So the two the two that I, I got were learn something new every day and then move, and then I'll give you your third because you wrote a book on it called Sleep Smarter. Uh, which, by the way, I did right. happen, happen when I – I just I just have to say, when he released that book, I probably made the best YouTube video possible. Um, but Oh, you did. You did. You did. <laughs> I did. Yes, I forgot about that, man. Yes, you did. I stumbled – dude, I stumbled across like, – I don't even have that channel anymore, but we were cleaning Dropbox the other day, mm. and I opened it. It was, like, kind of cringy, but it was hilarious at the same time. So good. Oh, uh, yes. I mean, like for those of you wondering, like I had footed pajamas with reindeers fornicating on them while I laid on my IntelliBed <laughs> mattress and I was getting plugs for Sean <laughs> left and right. I love it. So sleep being one of them, you know, one of the things that you just, and I have a question about that actually, because you just had that sports psychologist. So I know you're familiar with Scott Carney, but he talks about this in his book, The Wedge. Uh, I love this wedge where it's like you almost train your autonomic nervous system when you choose resistance that when you're met with a different force of it, that you can pause and create that buffer. And then hearing you talk about this from like a muscular standpoint and the neurology part of it is really interesting as well, because I definitely like know for me, if I come to work before I move and I come to work after I move, I have a drastic difference in how I show up, my level of calmness, stillness and what I do. And so like, I have to prioritize my movement before I create or else I feel like I'm like this whiny little boy that has stuff that I have to get out and like I'm missing parts of me. And so um, I, I think that that's huge. Now, I had a question earlier about what you said about pivoting. And I think one of the things I see about you, Sean, that I respect so, so immensely is that you're not romantic about the results or what it looked like. And you have a very healthy relationship, what I would consider your ego, right? And so you have this self-confidence and this self-belief and this self-worth that you're like, oh, that was an ideal. I can adjust. Or I did this. It wasn't here. I shouldn't stay in that business partnership and make it. And that comes from like years and years of practice. But I feel like one of the keys to pivoting is self-confidence. And I know I got stuck for a long time because I was like romantic with the image of what it would look like or what the people would think of me or see. And I, I think for you, I watch it so easily i see it so easily from so far away where you're like okay this is what i'm working on this is what i believe in this is where i'm going where do you practice that to be so self-aware so self-confident like so self-loved and accepting that you can be in that situation which sometimes requires embarrassment or humility or you know the little knife twisting with feedback from the wifey to make the adjustments to be the gift that you are Man, that's a fantastic question. This might surprise you. And the the reason that I can carry that is because I'm not afraid to be wrong. Mm. So what it might look like on the surface, because it's, it, this is some, what I'm saying is something difficult to, to understand unless you live there. Like we, you can't see somebody who's so confident in what they're saying and believe that they're willing to not believe what they're saying. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is this is really really powerful stuff. What what I'm what I'm about to share. So, 
I realized the, the, the way where this comes from is that I realized many years ago that, and again, this is not going to be the answer that people were probably expecting. I realized that we don't know shit, that humans as a species, we, we are acting like we know when we have no <laughs> idea about how any of this shit works. Yep. We're literally just guessing. We, we know some fundamental principles. I'm not going to negate our brilliance. We do know some fundamental principles, but you know, I just saw a report, one of Einstein's theories was just kind of negated just you know, like last week, you know? And the thing is, but it doesn't necessarily negate it in all context. Mm -hmm. here's, the, here's the truth is that just about everything is true in some context and everything is false in some context. You know, context is, is a major thing. Nuance is a major thing. And when we start to believe that we've got it all figured out, that's when we lose. That's when we lose really, really big. So I say that to say that, you know, realizing that we truly, and I know great thinkers throughout history, and I'm not putting myself in that guild, have come to a conclusion, have really just realized one day they might have just been out walking. They're like, you know what? We're dumb as fuck. Like, we don't know anything and we act like we do. And we're up here, we're killing each other. We've created a world where we can, with the press of a button, destroy all of humanity. Like, that's a great idea. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, we've done all of these really heinous things and then we prop this up like we're so evolved, mm -hmm. right? Even our handling of this situation that we are all dealing with as a society as of this recording with this particular virus, we've really devolved so much in our thinking. We've negated so many principles that we are aware of. Again, it, not in all contexts, but it's a principle that we are aware of. Our genes expect certain things from us. What happens when we pull those things away, mm -hmm. right? So we haven't had a conversation really about like, what do we do to actually get people healthier? We know that pre-existing chronic diseases are the biggest implication here on severe side effects. Mm -hmm. I actually just shared this uh, with the guy who wrote Breath a little uh, earlier Love today. Love that book. Love that book. And so, you know, one of the conversations we're having, because his book comes out about breath and now suddenly everyone, we're, we're having constricted breathing, we're wearing a mask. Like, I was wondering how did that play out in his psyche? And he's a great researcher, by the way. But one of the things that I share with him, which most folks don't know about this, and the crazy thing is, we're so ignorant that we tend, if we're trying to hide something, we can't really hide it. It's kind of hiding in plain sight. <laughs> yes. And so like, if people go to the CDC site and they look up, you know, we'll just look at one category of folks who are deeply impacted by this, which is healthcare workers, mm -hmm. by far the biggest vocation hit by this. But that, that would seem obvious on the surface. Like, of course, there's the front line and there's this interaction. And so many of my friends and colleagues are frontline workers. But what folks don't realize, if you go to the CDC site, and if you got show notes, you could throw this in the show notes, the link to it. Yeah. Nine out of 10 of the healthcare workers who were hospitalized with COVID had one or more pre-existing chronic diseases. Mm. Nine out of 10. That's not an act. That's not like, oh, what a coincidence. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like one out of 10 or even five out of 10, 50, nine out of 10. Yeah. 75% of those folks were obese. Mm -hmm. This is not a coincidence. This is based, This is how science is supposed to work. It's like, oh shit, we see this thing here, this quote correlation, let's dig in here and address this issue so this doesn't happen again. Mm -hmm. 
that's not the thing that that took place, you know, because again, even being on the front line, what mattered most is the pre-existing susceptibility. Not to say that for a quote, perfectly healthy person, but even in that, that comes with a tremendous amount of nuance. The definition of health is very skewed in our world today. And last little piece here, also on the CDC site, I was saying this from the literally a year ago, but now the numbers are even worse uh, because back a year ago, uh, over 94% of the folks who lost their lives in association with COVID-19 had an average of uh, 2.6 pre-existing chronic diseases. Now that everything has ex been extrapolated and everything has kind of been um, played out longer term, if you go to the CDC site to today, over 96% of the people who lost their lives in association with SARS-CoV-2 had an average of four pre-existing chronic diseases and or comorbidities. Mm. It's un believable you know so i'm saying all of this to say that what appears on the surface when we got the talking head on the media saying you know we need to do this we need to, they have no fucking idea mm -hmm. they have no idea what to do and but it really seems like to the average person like oh obviously you know they're an official they've got a badge they're on some podium whatever they must know and it can't be further from the truth because again often like look at the results and how things have for me, I'm big on results. That's another thing as well. Mm -hmm. Like, regardless of our thinking about, you know, our sense of self-confidence, self-worth, we still got to be honest about results because that's how we can grow and change and adapt. And so for me, just look at the results. Right now here in the United States, we're the sickest nation in the history of humanity, self-inflicted, by the way, mm -hmm. right? We are the first generation in recent in modern human history that isn't going that that is not going to out outlive our predecessors. First time it's reversed. So our our children are on track to live a shorter lifespan than us. But on the surface, it looks like, oh, we're living longer. No, no, no. We're dying longer. We're we're dying longer because our rates of chronic disease is astronomical. Everything in recent decades, everything's gotten worse cancer, heart disease, obesity, type 2 diabetes, which used to be adult onset diabetes, but now this, there's a, a skyrocketing rates in children, Alzheimer's, dementia, autoimmune disease, kidney disease, liver, every, name one thing of these big killers has gotten better. It's not, it doesn't exist because the way that we're looking at things is just very skewed. You know, so last point with this is for me, I'm just looking at the results because I, if it was working, I'd be all for it. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be trying out to get in a drug commercial. Yep. You know, I would have left the gym today. Just like, you know, let me head over and try out for this new drug commercial. See if I can get a spot on a boat. Like you make, I can look happy on a boat, you know, <laughs> but the truth is it hasn't been working. Mm -hmm. And as a matter of fact, you know, when you see those commercials, especially during, you know, uh, major news networks, which are funded by the pharmaceutical industry, spend about at least $5 billion in, in, uh, in revenue is, is going into major media, by the way, by pharmaceutical companies. And for the majority of major networks, they share at least one board member with at least one board member of a pharmaceutical company. Um, so again, it's just this vested interest to train us, not just, and this is the thing too, drugs have their place, everything, Everything has value in some aspect, mm -hmm. but once we venture away from what's the principles that we do know, like 
our genes expect us to move. If we're not moving, disease onset takes place very quickly. Our genes expect us to eat food that is food. And when we put in things that are abnormal that haven't existed before in our evolution, disease onset starts to take place. You mentioned earlier sleep. We ha we haven't evolved out of sleep. And you would think we have because we're we're vulnerable at that awesome. time. It seems like a waste of time in many in many aspects. But the reality is something so magnificent takes place during sleep that we cannot replace that our template, our genetic template expects us to do it. It's programmed in there. And this is the last little piece here because you, when you mentioned Sleep Smarter a little bit earlier, you know, for me, even with that book coming out, and this is 2015, I, I wrote say, that. Oh, six years ago. Running. Yeah. At the time, I people don't know this, but I was like, I had the, you know, agents and publishers like trying to dissuade me from putting a book out on sleep wellness because a book on sleep wellness had never done well before mm -hmm. with all the top guys. And they're just like, well, you should do a, a fitness book or like, you know, nutrition, you're a nutritionist, do a nutrition book. I'm like, no, this is, this is what's missing. Yep. This is what's missing. And so really putting that confidence that you mentioned into this because of be looking at the results and seeing it in my clinical practice, seeing it in the data, like, whoa, this, we can eat the per perfect diet. It's, blood type, body type, you know, uh, circadian rhythm, all of everything is taken into consideration. But if you're not sleeping, mm -hmm. it's it literally, it is the most powerful driver for a hormone function, you know, our neurotransmitter recovery, the list goes on and on. So bottom line is this, I use that confidence to get that message out there. And since then it's created a domino effect. The entire industry has changed. And I'm just some, I'm just a guy. I'm just a guy from Missouri. It's not the <laughs> hub of health in, in the world, you know, but I changed the world. And that's what we all have the capacity to do. That's the last thing I was going to say is that I don't have any reservation in saying that all, every single person has the capacity to change the world. Matter of fact, you've changed the world just by your, the very nature of you being born. Mm -hmm. You've changed the, 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 you've changed the dynamic of all of reality with that spirit hitting that body. You know, it's just, it's so powerful, so remarkable. So that, that's, the, that's really the things, man, is, you know, being results oriented, knowing that we don't know much of anything. And also knowing that every single person has a capacity to to change the world and to be great and carrying with that i speak from that place when i speak and when i'm teaching it's not just because it's me and i'm so important it's because i believe in you it's because we all have this innate greatness that we literally we're for as long as we live we're never really going to understand it nope we're never going to understand it but that striving that that getting close to it that's touching it you know, every little bit that we can, man, it's so beautiful. And that's what we need more than ever. Dude, I, so this is going to get weird for a minute, like esoterically weird, right? Because you're talking and, and I'm going to validate everything that you said. And I love it. And I think one part that you didn't share in the three of like being results oriented and, you know, realizing that we're basically insignificant, but we're also a gift is that I also think that that gives you the ability to show up confidently unattached to the outcome which creates the desired outcome. Because if we try to create what we know, we limit it to what's there, not its potential. And so here's, 
you talk about all this and health is a big one that I want to pull with you because I don't know anybody else more versed and also more open. And like, just to give a testament, when you say like results-based, what I love about you is your ability to dig in as long as you believe it and there's facts that support it. But the moment there's a leak, you will undig yourself willingly and own it and then make an adjustment. And I think that that is just an absolute testament to what you do. And when you're talking about health, like we're talking about how we've been like the unhealthiest we've ever been and boom, boom, boom. Two things came up for me. This is going to sound really weird, really weird. I have to, I don't preface shit. I'm prefacing this, right? So John Donaher is one of the greatest martial artist teachers of our absolute time. The guy, they think he's like alien, like the way that he can do things. And he is like a philosopher. Like, I think he's an alien. And he's on psychedelics 24-7 without being on them. Like, he just, he thinks like this. And he was doing his interview with Lex Friedman, and they were talking about the meaning of life. And, and this all ties together, but I can share this with you, right? And when we're talking about health, we're talking about how basically, in my opinion, our current generation has advocated the responsibility of their health to people they don't know, like, and trust. And when we think about this, we go all the way back and we go like pre-industrial revolution, like pre-tool creation, human beings had this one common goal, survival. And the moment we removed resistance, right? We have AC, we have climate control, we have fire, we have everything. Our shared common goal of survival was taken away for us to have to create meaning, to start questioning this big thing or this existence, to start thinking about what am I going to do and where am I going to spend my time instead of waking up like screw how I feel, screw what they're telling me. I need food. I need shelter. I need wife. I need mating. I need boom. And I think it all ties together. And like you're talking and I'm like thinking about the evolution of human beings, consciousness, meaning and everything. But as you were talking, I feel like I didn't even understand the impact I had on health when I was a blogger, when I was a food blogger, when I was quote unquote civilized caveman, right? Like I didn't go into things results-based. I went into things agendized based on mine and shared it. And there were things that I misled people on, but now that I lived the life I have now, even then, like I jumped into this paleo movement because it was like paleo was the answer. I didn't research that. I didn't do it. I was like, oh, that feels good to me. But there was a part of me that advocated my own responsibility in my own health into that bucket and then took that and pushed it on other people doing the same for them. And when I walked away from that, like I got punched in the face with some sobriety of like, oh, it could have been better and I can do this. And I think what I see now and what I what I love about you and like if I had to have anything for anybody to take away from this is that, like you said, drugs have their place and they don't. And this might work and this might not, but we have to stop advocating our responsibility to somebody else. Like it's a self game. It's a one-on-one game when it comes to your health. And I think that that's a lot of what I see. And I see it across the board. I see these people like entrepreneurs, you and I are friends with all of them. They're like, yeah, I'm building this vision. I'm like, well, you're going to be dead by the time it happens. So why are you doing it? And telling me that that's why you're doing it because that's not really real. And so, you know, for me, when I look at you, like, how do you go about advocating for your own health? Like, how do you go about prioritizing that and doing the research? Because I feel like it's a daunting task sometimes. Like, the thought of researching what you research gives me a fucking panic attack standing here. And I'm like, I'll wait till Sean summarizes it, right? Like, how do you know what to trust? How do you know where to go? Like, 
do I eat this way or sleep this way? Do I move this way or I do that? Like, what's your approach? And I mean, your whole book is about this and eat smarter. But like, when you break this down for the tenants of people, like how can they start reclaiming their sovereignty when it comes to their health? Yeah, this is such a great question. And you actually just alluded to what the answer is, which is these templates that were already there through our evolution, Mm. right? And so what I'm doing today is just using modern science, clinical evidence, peer-reviewed studies, randomized controlled trials, crossover studies to affirm what we would already know just because it was baked into the system. If you didn't have somebody else telling you, you need to do these things, you would automatically do those things. Mm-hmm. You know, just even a couple hundred years ago, not to mention hundreds of thousands of years, and not to mention millions of years prior in evolution, if we're looking at, you know, the drive to move, we wouldn't have to go to a gym because like, matter of fact, you know, there's this great story about this, you know, somebody from an indigenous tribe coming here to the United States and seeing people for the first time, it was like some um, World Health Organization or some U- UN event. And there's, he's seeing people running at Central Park. He's like, why are they running? Like, what is what's going on? And the translator, you know, communicating, the person said back, they're exercising. They're just running. And he just breaks out laughing like, what? That's inc- you know, he's like, that's such a waste of energy. Why would you do that? You know? And so, but today, not to say, like, I love the gym. I think it's, you know, it's so amazing. We can do so many creative, fun things, but we would just be driven to move because we need to eat. Mm -hmm. And now so often we're eating and then we feel like we have to move to try to get rid of what we just ate. Mm -hmm. The whole system has been turned in a very abnormal, very non-human way. And so the same thing with our sleep, we would be required to do those things. You know, it's a matter of safety. It's a matter of recovery. The list goes on and on. All the things that we would just do today, I'm using science to simply make it make sense for people again. But also here's the caveat, making it make sense in a world that is so driven by brain candy as well. You know, so, you know, folks, are. it's just, it's a swipey swipe world now, like here today, gone today. And so you got to, I have to find ways to make it stick. I have to find ways to, um, to, to grab attention, to make it, to make it so that, and this is my big mission. I don't talk about this often, but I wanted to feel when people read a page from one of my books or, you know, listen to the show or anything like that, that they're just like, of course. Of course that makes sense, you know, you know, and so often that's, that's the response, you know, it's just like rekindling this relationship that we already have within us, this knowledge base that we already have using modern science and technology. Unfortunately, we're in a place where I have to do that. I don't want to do that. I want to talk about new shit. I want to talk about how we can be quote superhuman, like what, how good can things get? But unfortunately we're, we're in a drive-through diet culture right now, you know, like we're sending people into outer space with Pop-Tart consciousness, mm-hmm. right? Like what can we do if we actually, if we actually connect to the principles that make us as great as possible? So what I'm talking about, and I got to share this really quickly. I meant, I said this term earlier, what our genes expect of us. 
Now, at this point, I'm sure a lot of folks are aware of the term epigenetics, mm -hmm. you know, and just understanding that there are these environmental influences that really dictate the expression of our genes. And it's not just, and you know, the, the person who really made that a part of our lexicon, uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton, The Biology of Belief, it's a definitely must, must read, must know. Um, when I ask him about this, and we've talked several times, he, he does not hesitate. When I'm talking about like nutrigenomics and nutrigenetics, which I'm really passionate about, how food infects our, our, um, our genetic expression, mm -hmm. and all the science on that is miraculous. It's absolutely real. He doesn't hesitate to jump in. He's like, nope, this, that's not even on the same tier as you're thinking. Your mind controls your genetic expression more so than anything. That's why he calls it the biology of belief. He's a very distinguished cell biologist, but he's just on a different level. This is where science is really at. He's been talking about this for 30, 40 years. And now the textbooks are using the terms that he's helped to impress upon culture. And so, and just to, to, to put a period on this statement is that every thought we think, every thought has correlating chemistry that's released into our bodies. Yeah. Every thought instantly changes the release of hormones, neuropeptides, neurotransmitters. It changes everything about us just based on a thought. It's subtle. It can be subtle or it can be ex extreme. And so here we are. And also that thinking is what's going to determine what I'm eating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I right? uh... That thinking is going, but also what you eat influences how you think too. It's like this beautiful dance. I, well, I, and I have a question because, like, I, I think about this, and, and, and I've, like, I've gone through phases, right? I was bulimic. I was overweight. I was doing all these things, right? I was chasing, feeling, all of it. And you, you talk about this, like, brain candy. And by the way, Pop-Tart consciousness has to be, like, the tweetable of the day. Like, Pop-Tart consciousness. <laughs> like, that, I'm stealing that. I'm totally – I don't know how I'll use it, but it'll come up in the next week. I promise. I will give you credit all day. Um, when I, TM. When, yeah, TM. TM or R. Uh, yeah, TM until it's registered. I remember that game. Um, but when, when you think about that, like you talk about like, you know, what our genes require, right? And you then talk about brain candy, right? Is it this, like, where is this? Is it because there's this immediate access to dopamine, brain candy, and boom, 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 that we ignore our genes and then try to react? Or is it that you know, the system has changed. Is it like quality of food? Is it people aren't educated enough? Like, you know, more than anybody. And I've watched it too. Like we are in a very drastically different world from healthcare than when you and I grew up. Like, you know, like I could get dirty outside. I wasn't living in a sterile environment in my school. Like, you know, like I would eat dirt and all of a sudden I would never get sick. Right. And now it's like, if dirt gets near my son, they fucking spray him with hand sanitizer from 20 feet away. I'm like, no, let him be dirty. Right. And so when we, when we think about this, like, where do you think the cause of this or, or what's currently going on with all these people that think like Instagram or YouTube or the media or marketing has their next fad solution? Cause it just seems like there's like almost this denial of truth, but I don't know how to get people back to it. Like, I don't know how to get somebody to like feel good and reclaim it. Like you do after that good night of sleep or after that, like good workout. And I like, I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Cause like in your book, you talk about like, Eat, eating smarter and making these choices. But I feel like one of the problems that we live in is we live in an immediate instant gratification society, but the choices you make with your health have a delayed gratification process. Mm, that's true. And I'm like, what? So, yeah. 
God. What's happened is, what's happened, and this is very simple, is that we've stacked conditions against ourselves in, in literally every way that we know uh, affects the outpicturing of a healthy genetic expression. Everything in our society has been stacked against us. And so what it's not just even when we were kids, like it's been dramatically changed since then. But if we go back just even two generations prior to that, the reality that we exist in is like you said this term earlier, it's like we're aliens on our own planet. Yeah. You know, like very much so. So the environment that we live in today is conducive. It, it encourages it encourages us to not move. Mm -hmm. All right. And I just saw this phenomenon, of course, like moving from Missouri to L.A., like I lived out in the woods in Wildwood. Like we didn't, I never even had, I never had DoorDash. I didn't know that that was a thing, <laughs> right? And so seeing it here, literally you don't have to get out of your chair. Nope. Like you can get food delivered right to you, put right into your hand, you know? And the, so the movement requirement is just greatly diminished. Matter of fact, like don't let you not get a drive, a uh, parking space close to the, to the <laughs> building. Like. And I, I see myself doing it all the time too. Like we can, heaven forbid, where did I, where does that come from? Is this from some 60s show? But heaven forbid you have to actually walk a little bit to get to the, to the, to the store. So, so many things, these conveniences have really become our greatest killers. So movement has been extracted. Also play, you know, I've got a friend who's got a great uh, documentary coming out very soon about the school system and about recess being taken out of the picture more and more and more as the years have gone on and for more and in return for more testing yet we're not doing any better as a society and no and again i'm very results oriented like is it working let's let's make a change here so the same thing we're inundating our kids with this you know they get they get a game control or a phone right in their hand as early as possible and oftentimes parents we're doing it because we need a little time we're so stressed we're not moving. We don't feel well. We're 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 undernourished, so we're we're training our children to move less as well. So we're coming. People, are, kids are coming into the world with this stuff. We never we never even this wasn't a, a thing. Mm -hmm. And also the same thing with our food. We're inundated. This is the thing that we make our bodies out of. You know, folks are concerned about our immune system right now. Your immune cells are literally made from food. They're made from the food that you eat. And so what are you making your immune cells out of? What are you making your heart cells out of? The, 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 what are you making your liver out of? Your pancreas, your joints, the list goes on and on. That is coming from the food that you're eating. And your body, the human body is incredibly resilient. It will do a patchwork job and keep you going. But something is going to break down. And for me, it happened very early. I was 20 years old, diagnosed with advanced degenerative spinal condition. My body was just, I had a, at a, my, the first physician I saw, he said that I had the spine of an 80-year-old man when I was just 20. All right, because I was making my body every single day, every meal, unless I was like at my grandmother's house, I ate processed foods every meal. Yeah. And I'm not exaggerating. I mean, like maybe on the holiday, you know, we'd have like some turkey and, you know, whatever. But even then, you know, like it's so, I'm, I was born into that condition. Mm -hmm. So the last piece here, and there's so much more, but with, with this food, We've got to look at, okay, what is the environment? How is this environment created? Now, it might have even started with a good intention of feeding Americans. Yeah. All right. Maybe. Okay. But again, we got to look at who's behind, who's profit, profiting off of human sickness. And I just shared this the other day that 
the number one priority for big food companies is to make money, is to make more money. Your health is not a concern. Are you kidding? Like, that's the reality that we're living in. And so with big food companies, we can now see, and I put this in, in, in Eat Smarter, is one of the most important parts of the book that I really, really want to cover, is, is there actually, do we have data now to affirm the shit we already know, which is big agriculture and our government, are they feeding our obesity and chronic health disease epidemics? So we got great data on this now. And this was published in the Journal of the American Medical Association, one of the most prestigious journals in our country. And what they did was they tracked the pathway of subsidized foods and the consumption of those by our citizens, right? So the biggest subsidized foods in our country that our government literally gives these agricultural companies billions of dollars to make these foods, corn, soy, wheat, uh, factory farming, they're investing in these organizations. And so the study tracked the consumption of those foods that often end up coming through the drive through window, all right, and also through processed foods. And what they discovered was that folks who consumed, had the greatest consumption of government subsidized foods, had a 40% greater incidence, almost 40% greater incidence of being obese. You know, it's like, it's right there in black and white. That number is, is massive. It's not like a 5%. Or 10%, it's 40% greater incidence. So we know that our government is literally funding and feeding the problem. And as that ratio of the billions has been doled out for wheat and corn and soy, the amount going to farmers for avocados and you know spinach, are you kidding me? It's almost nothing. But this answers the question, how can somebody get two cheeseburgers for $2 and an avocado costs three? It makes no sense when the cheeseburgers are so cost intensive to make government subsidies and also just the power, the leverage that these organizations have in our in our in our political sphere as well. Yeah. Well, so here's and this I'm so glad that you said this, because the way that I see it is this boils down to one side for me, like there's complicitness and there's complacency when it comes to this situation. Right. There's complicitness when we know that it's happening. Right. And we're like, okay, it's fine. There's complacency when we're not doing something different, right? Advocating for our own health. And I think, like, for me, it's always been, okay, once we advocate for our own health, we choose differently, then we can start making a change for those around us. But, like, we talk about this. What can people do to kind of empower themselves back in? Like, where do they focus when it comes to eating, to when it comes to feeling themselves, when it comes to all these things, so that they can be the example, but also start to shift what's around them, right? Because, like, for me, like, for example, like, we were in California, I mean, California, um, and <laughs> when, when we lived there, my son would drink raw milk because my friends own organic pastures, right? We moved to Montana. It actually wasn't legal, shockingly enough. And so my wife was, like, emailing the governor, emailing the governor, and four weeks later, raw milk is up on a bill with a lot of other legislation. He's having it again, mm -hmm. right? But it's like we call a family, and we're like, hey, can we buy milk? And it's like straight from there. We know what they're eating. We know what they're feeding it. And then they drop eggs off. And you don't want to know what eggs look like. They all look different when they're fresh, right? They're not all the same size and the same color. And I was like, that color isn't even on the spectrum. How does the yolk look like that? And they're like, this is what we feed it, right? So like, what are some of the things that you recommend people do to advocate? So here's my, my part in this, Sean. I feel like entrepreneurs are the greatest athletes in the world that never have downtime, but always sacrifice their vehicle as the first thing. 
And I feel like it's inverse in our world as well, where you have to prioritize your health, your movement, your sleep and your food. But I want to really hit on food. Like what can people be doing? Like questions asked, like helping themselves thrive, like being focused on their results and empowering themselves to have different things to feed their genes. Like what are some of the things that you guide people on or like recommend that they do? You know, I'm the, I'm the anti diet guy. I'm not, you're not, you're not going to find me telling you exactly what to eat because it's inappropriate. Yeah. Um, What I saw in my clinical practice, and this is, I think a lot of the greats will fall into this trap of thinking that works, what works for you is going to work for everybody else. And it's simply not the case, especially when it comes to health. There was a time in my practice that if I was doing a certain diet framework, that's what you're going to be doing because this is what's working right now. This is where the science is at. Eventually, thankfully, I got to a place of paying attention to what this person needs right now based on a unique set of what I call their metabolic fingerprint, these ingredients, which is their personal genetics. You know, what is their heritage? Where are they? Can we get closer to like what, what, are, what are their grandparents, their great grandparents? We can find out what part of the, the, the globe they're coming from. Uh, the microbiome cascade, obviously, that's a lot of the big conversation right now. That matters a lot. Um, So I'm looking at all of these things that constitute your metabolic fingerprint, your level of current health right now, because your, your level of inflammation or your level, you know, if we can look at the C-reactive protein, whatever the case is, we can find out, and this is I'm talking about in my clinical practice. You don't have to run out and get any of these numbers done, any of these tests. You don't have to poop into a little dish and send it out. And it, it's so crazy. And I, I got to share this. When you, when you do the stool sample, they usually give you like a basket that's like a fry basket, you know, like if you go to like um, a baseball game or something, yeah. it's the craziest thing. Anyways, so you don't have to do any of that. The biggest thing is going to be, and this is also, it can be the most difficult thing. You've got to tune into your body again. Mm-hmm. You've got to listen to your body's feedback. It is the most negated, but most powerful data in our universe, in your universe, because we've got all of these objective testing things now. You know, you've got straps you can wear, you've got all these tools you can put in every orifice of your body to track whatever. <laughs> but the thing is, and I know these guys, these are my friends who are the self-quantification folks and that's all great. And I, I do, let me not say I do a bit of that. I wasn't talking about the, Never mind. I got you. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> but the thing is, you know, I'm much more, guiding people to listen to their inner intelligence. The subjective data is the most important. Tell me one thing more important when we're talking about your health than how you feel. There isn't. There's nothing, there's nothing, but that's not a piece of data that's valued today. We are, again, We I've done it. We can look at the blood work. We can look at the microbiome. We can look at the hormone panel. How do you feel? Then from there, we can look at how, how do you look? Like what's going on? What is your skin saying? What is your body composition? What feedback is it giving us? How do you perform doing things? How do you feel throughout the day? How do you feel, you know, with, with your job, with creation, you know, with your energy levels, what is your, what does your rhythm look like? So getting folks to tune into these things in order to do that, we have to take back our mind from the other shit. You know, we've got to step back a little bit from that brain candy, you know, the swipey swipe, not to say we can't do it, but it just starts to really, it's a universe. Once you get into your phone, you literally, you leave reality. You're leaving the moment. You're now you're in the, you're like Wreck-It Ralph, right? You're like in the game 
and you, you detach yourself from what's really going on. So being mindful of that and also getting your body online, getting your cells online, and it all makes it easier because food isn't just food, it's information. And so as soon as we start to put a little bit higher quality information in, which for different people is going to be different things, but we know a tenant, which here's, here's one of the big tenants. Right now, what folks could do, you don't have to have a big overhaul with your diet and nutrition. Just get, just dial in the first thing of the day. Like, what does that look like? Because that's when you're quote, breaking your fast, your body is really apt to absorb things in a, in a more robust way. Put put some fuel into your body the first part of the day that we has a sense of integrity to it. So for some folks, it might be some high quality coffee, not spray with pesticides and herbicides and rodenticides. You know, you don't want to have, you know, some hormonal, uh, in, some endocrine disruptors along with your, you know, delicious coffee. Uh, but maybe that's coming along with some high quality fats. Maybe it's, for some people, it might be fruit. And that might sound absolutely insane for some folks. Like, no, fruit is going to, fruit is literally going to murder you from the inside. Like the strawberry's got a knife. <laughs> I know it just waits till it gets in your gut and it's going to slice its way out. I know people, a good example, Jesse Itzler. Yep. Absolutely. Do we talk about a, a entrepreneur performing? It is insane. All right. This guy, part owner of, let's just a nugget where he started from. He started off as a, a rapper, a Jewish rapper <laughs> White. in the 80s, in the 80s, okay? And, and, and dancing, break dancing, all right? And he, was, he didn't have money like that, but he ended up, by his hustle, getting a private jet company, yep. all right? He didn't have money like that, just conversations, the hustle, private jet company. Zico, uh, co coconut water, right? So I think they sold it to Coca-Cola's company. Another like m massive, I think nine figure thing, you know, like he's part owner of the Atlanta Hawks right now. Uh, he's got the private jet company. Uh, I believe he sold, I think it was over a billion dollars that he made for that. Yep. His wife is a billionaire, the founder of Spanx. Yep. All right, so my man eats fruit. Until noon. Until that's noon. That's it. That's all he does. For years. And he's out there running like a freaking marathon most days of the week. He's like running 25 miles or whatever. And that might not be your story, but I'm just saying, we can't tell him what fuels him best. Mm -hmm. Right? But for some people, maybe getting all that in and maybe their body manages. And by the way, so in Eat Smarter, I actually talk about this, where we got some clinical evidence. We give patients, we give test subjects a banana and see how their blood sugar is affected. Somebody can have a banana and it's as if they had nothing. Their blood sugar stays stable. Or maybe they get a little bit of spike and then it normalizes. Some people, it can shoot right to the ceiling, out of the computer screen, and then crash and plummet. All right? It depends on the person. All right? And we talk about the factors that make that a reality. But So for some people, they do well with maybe you know managing fruit sugar. Maybe they have some berries to start the day, maybe a little bit of protein. Um, but... Just paying attention, give your body some real food fuel, mm -hmm. something that is not um, manipulated by man as much, which even again, I mentioned strawberries earlier. These strawberries that we have, even if they're organic, that's not your 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 great, great, great grandfather's strawberry. It's not even your grandfather's strawberry. No. Some of these strawberries look like 
freaking i don't know they look they look like they've got but a butt implant yeah all right they, they look do. like they've seen dr miami they got a bbl right? down in miami so <laughs> so that's that's the one of the big uh walk away things is simply partition and change specifically making sure the first thing you put in your body is advantageous as a fuel for you and experiment with that and second thing is i simply want folks to just make a shift don't abandon processed foods don't abandon if you love pizza or donuts or whatever let's just shift the ratio a little bit to include more real food more real whole food very very simple principle to get some of that intelligence in your cells so that things can start to get back online because again food isn't just food it's information Dude, I like I've now I love you for talking about food with intelligence and integrity. Like I feel like that is the best way to talk about food. And you know what? For not being the guy to follow the diet, you gave a pretty good diet. And number one is self awareness and self connection. Like spending time finding that connection with yourself, finding the pieces that you need, looking at it and be like, how do I feel today? Right. And so like from what I've even gathered from knowing you in this interview to here, when it goes to sleep, no matter what, prioritize your sleep. Then when you wake up, make sure that you move. And once you're doing that, spend time plugging into your vehicle. Like how does it feel? What does it feel like? Where are you going? What's it going to look like? And then utilizing that based on your inputs and measure against it. And, and you know, the one thing that I said, I saw Sean that I think is so powerful. I don't have social media anymore. My team runs it all, but I remember that my addiction to it is when I didn't feel good, rather than addressing what was causing the feeling, I ran to something to change the feeling, which was the never-ending dopamine, the loop, the all of it. And so my challenge for everybody, based on what you said, is to plug back into you, like to create space and create time to plug back into you. And by the way, I think we should coin the term BBL, Brazilian berry lift. Um, I, think that, <laughs> yeah. I think that that's that's the part about it. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, hearing I could talk to you about all this stuff for literally like hours and, and hearing you, but I, I think one of the biggest things that I always lean back on with you is I love – your pursuit of learning, but I have a question around it, right? Cause you are a researcher. Like you will look, you will find results, you will do it. And I love that you're like, Hey, check in with your body, eat this, see how you feel, make an adjustment, eat this, see how you feel. How do you balance or how do you recommend people balance that, that consumption and curiosity versus like the implementation? So you don't become a walking, you know, shelf help thing. Right. So like, what does that look like for you? It that's such a great question. And it's again, it's such a simple answer. It really boils down to education. And I don't mean education about food, it's education about yourself and our bodies. You know, so that's really what Eat Smarter brings to the table. Ah, you see the pun there with the table. <laughs> what it brings to the table is, you know, for the first time in book form, I'm really taking people through and teaching them how their metabolism actually works. How does this process of fat loss work? Where the hell does fat go when you lose it? Like to demystify this amazing, this amazing entity that we, that we exist in, like, how does it all work? And then we get into, oh, what nutrients drive these processes, creating some curiosity. And then, then we start to see, well, there's like, there's 10 of these great sources of that particular thing that drives this process. Which thing do you have a, proclivity tours like what are you what are you attracted to 
maybe we, let's add that in a little bit. And the crazy thing is, like you just mentioned, I think that today we've got this dual existence where we've got folks who are so neurotic about their food. And then we've got folks who don't have any clue about their food at all. And that I existed in both of these realities before. You know, I grew up not knowing that food even matters. It's just stuff you eat, period. Like what? It has nothing to do with disease or health. None of that. And But coincidentally, everyone around me, every, well, not every, we'll just say if I got 30 family members, 28 of them are obese. Yeah. All right. So I have that reality. Then I have the neuroticism. All right. Which, again, you can live in that. But I, I believe that you know, it's just a stepping stone to coming to realize like nobody's wrong in this equation. We're, we are human. We, we can become a little bit less of our template, you know, but it's still a different genetic expression. Our bodies are still adapting to all this deprivation. Um, But at the end of the day, you know, I think that the most important thing is, you know, that education, learning how our bodies work and work so that you don't have that neuroticism because you you realize how diverse and fluid things are because that's the one of the biggest takeaways from today is that health isn't something that you find or that you hunt down and that you get it's something you attract to you by the person you become and that's really where it all leads is be, it's not just the food that you eat it's the environment that you create around you it's the conversations that you have. It's the thoughts that you think. And you start stacking all those conditions in your favor. The neuroticism doesn't exist anymore because it doesn't need to. It's no longer valid. Yep. Dude, I that last line, health is something you attract to you by the person you become. Mic drop handled no better way to summarize that up. And earlier, remember you were talking about like moving from Missouri to LA with like Uber Eats and you know things like that. Every time I think about that, all I see is that movie Wally. That's all I see in my brain. Like these people fat in their carts, like running around and being fed by the system. And I was like, no, no, we can't do this. Move your damn body, drink some water, eat food with integrity and intelligence, and then make adjustments. I love that. And, and get some sleep. And get some sleep. I thought that, yeah, so my, my, tripod, my tripod was sleep. Uh, water, eat, and then movement. And I think that it's huge. So now I have to ask, because we've been talking about food. What is your absolute favorite food? Dish, not type. Like one dish for the rest of your life. Come on. George, that's so difficult, man. <laughs> you got it. so difficult. I, I, I just... Three. That goes I'll, I'll give you three. I'll give you three. I'll, I'll cut rolls for you. All right. I mean, I... Wow. Mine's chocolate chip pancakes. Right now. How about how about I tell you what I'm feeling right now? Right now, that? tell me how you feel. I might okay. adjust when your check engine light changes right. next week. I mean, your you, the buffalo chicken casserole. Yes, from so good. the one and only George Bryant. It's, it's so I'm, I can't tell you how many people we've got hooked on that as well. Uh, that's pretty phenomenal. Which we can, if you're gonna have a side, you know, you got quinoa, you've got brown rice, you've got rice. There's many other options. But in the book, I talk about this debate for years about brown rice versus white rice. But white rice actually is a, one of the most uh, dense sources of resistant starch, depending on how, you, how it's prepared. If it's cooked and then cooled, the resistant starch ratio shifts. It's kind of like a banana becoming more ripe in a sense, but in a reverse way. When the banana is green, it's very high in resistant starch. 
and then the sugar it starts to convert into more sugars mm. so rice does the opposite thing essentially when it's cooked so this the starch content starts to go to this resistant starch content anyways so i can start <laughs> stacking it there it's not just some some uh, edible pleasure um but anyways so we got that uh guacamole you yep. can't go wrong with that and um you know i try to find a way to upgrade things as best i can as well so you know we might do a little bit of extra garlic in there some cayenne um maybe even get real crazy since alien has been said multiple times put yeah. some spirulina some spirulina in there as well make it a really <laughs> freaky green color but it tastes amazing yeah the folks the main folks who are eating avocados you know if we're talking about like the mayans just folks in in, in ancient mexico spirulina was a was a big protein source too all right so and then the third one oh man that's tough i gotta say right now Man, I'm really feeling asparagus right now for some reason. I love it. You know, it's just, it's, I don't know, it's a vibe. And it's one of the few stems that we eat as a culture. Great source of prebiotics mm -hmm. for, your, for your friendly microbes. Yeah, so those are the three. You're a science guy, right? Is there, is there a rhyme or reason why when people eat asparagus, some people's pee smells and other people's don't? Of course. What is of it? Of course. I've never known. Yeah, I, it's so funny. Just a couple of weeks, I did an episode talking about these weird things that happen with our bodies oh. when we eat certain foods, you know? So even like, you know, spicy things, for example, some like birds, they don't experience the, the heat, you know, like there's quote bird pepper or ghost pepper. There's certain enzymes that interact. But anyway, so I, let me answer this about uh, the asparagus pea. <laughs> so there was a really, there was a really, oh, by the way, all the way back, Benjamin Franklin, Benjamin Franklin wrote about, and he wrote to this like National Society of you know scientists. I forget the name of the of the organization, but he was trying to get them to find a way to cure to figure out stinking pee. You know, he said foul odor to make it to make it so the pee actually smells good. Mm. All right, so this has been on people's mind for a long time. So random, but so essentially there was a study that was done that found you know so they had some folks who number one they make the asparagus pee but they can't smell it because of certain genetic things all right mm. so that's one thing so maybe because now this doesn't happen to everybody not everybody has asparagus pee right but i i thought that like and it is a big majority of people do but some people can't smell it they don't have this mm. there's like a genetic switch it's a snip by the way so that's if you want to want to look it up um so we've got that is one of the issue and then also this does definitely the microbiome does play into it because of all our smells any of our smells have to do with microbes mm. all right but that has to do also with our genetics too can have an um can have an impact on the the byproducts that we make when we eat the asparagus how our bodies interact with it and then how the microbes there from there interact with it as well. So, yeah, so that, that's in, in a long and short of it. There's so much more there to say, but basically this has to do with some, a bit about genetics, mm -hmm. a bit about our microbes and a bit about whether or not you could even smell the asparagus pee in the first place, yours and somebody else's. Mm. I've always wanted to know. And instead of Googling it, I just ask you and that's, that's awesome. Right. And it's the same thing like with, uh, with, uh, um, what is it? cilantro, right? It tastes like soap to some yeah, people, some people, and then right. other people like it. And then did you know that cilantro and coriander, same thing. Mm, yeah. The things yeah. I learned as a food blogger.
All right. So, uh, favorite book of all time? God, man, why are you asking these? These are tough <laughs> questions. Man, these are really tough questions. Wow, man. Um, wow. Oh, this is very tough. You read more than uh, most people I know. Yeah. I mean, the last year, you know, I've read less than I ever have, which, you know, I've still, I've read, you know, quite a few books, but a lot less, just been reading a lot more peer-reviewed journals, you know, (laughs) I don't know, man. Um, But anyways, um, I'm going to say, damn, this is hard. Um, I'm going to say... This is tough, man. I'm just, I'm going to say a couple that's popping into yeah, my give, mind. Give. Uh, I love, I, I really love Dan Millman. Uh, he wrote the, the the Way of the Peaceful Warrior, but he's got a book called Everyday Enlightenment. Yeah. Everyday Enlightenment. Yeah. That is really good. It's really for that, Everyday Enlightenment. Um, so that's one. Um, a big, another transformative book uh, for me in my thinking. Oh, this, oh, this is too hard. Uh, this is I I don't know if anybody else is taking this long to answer this very so good. easy question. Um but man, um Breath is really good. It's okay? so good. I mentioned this earlier. So good. Breath is really good. Um I guess I'll I'll share one more. Man, this is tough. This is really tough. I don't know why I'm like you just opened I'm I'm never speechless, but I'm just going through all of the books. Well, you're There's a wealth so you're a wealth of just, knowledge, but I ask because like I have repeat offenders, but I learn and I go pick up other books based on like what people recommend. Like I go read them when they're done. Yeah. I, I love that about you, man. You know, um I think that for whatever reason, I'm just more thinking about these kind of personal development and spiritual aspects you know, these various books, but one of the books that I think is really remarkable, and I don't know if a lot of other people would feel the same way, that's more of a recent book, is um, um, get, uh, get Rid of Your Mental Mess mm-hmm. by Dr. Caroline Leaf. That one is just re- remarkable, absolutely remarkable. Clean up your mental mess, clean up your mental mess. And the reason I'm saying it and I was teetering back and forth of whether or not to say this because um, it's it's a newer book. For me, I, I want to have time to know, like, is this my all-time favorite book? I don't know, man. Like, that's such a hard question. But uh, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, it said something that changed, that put words to something that I know. You know, like that's the, one of the most powerful things when somebody or something, when you hear something that you already know before you, before you hear it, before you hear the words. Mm-hmm. And what it had to do with is like in our culture today, and this all puts it all together full circle, we, ha- we are inundated with data. We have so much information, but we lack knowledge. Mm-hmm. There's so much that we have access to, so many books, for example, uh, but just data at our fingertips but most people don't actually think about them. You don't sit with the thing. You don't actually sit and think about the idea and think about it from different perspectives. You think about where it applies, where it doesn't apply. You think about how the conclusion was brought about in the first place. You think about 
where it might be irrelevant or whatever the case might be to actually sit and think about a thing, you know? And so that was just powerful for me because I knew it, that this was happening, but I never put words to it. Mm -hmm. So, but also, you know, she goes into her, her mind mapping and just giving people very tangible skills uh, for changing your brain, your mind, which we think our mind is our brain. They're not the same because you've got, your mind is in your toes, you know, but our mind is expansive and your mind can actually change your brain. And she talks about all the science and that. I think she's been in the field for like 40 years as well, neuroscientist. So yeah, those, the, those are the ones that I'm just going to uh, relent to share. But yeah, that's a, such a tough question, man. I've never been stumped on a question. It's something so simple. Man. Of, all, of all questions, I'm like, that would be the one. Like that was the official longest answer, but it's so perfect. Oh man. It's so perfect. So, uh, I have one question. So, uh, before we end and, and obviously like I'll tell everybody, um, we've said it before, but, uh, make sure you check out the podcast, the model health show, make sure you grab a copy of eat smarter and sleep smarter, get the bipod of books that you need to succeed, add movement and food and water and you're good. So here's my question. So assume the last hour and 15 minutes got deleted and everybody got men in blacked. And you have the moment in this moment to give them one thing to take away for the rest of their life, to tattoo on their soul, to carry forth as a message, a reminder, could be a word, could be a quote, could be anything. What would you tattoo on everybody's soul listening right now? Damn you, George. I'm going to break the rules. I'm going to share two things. Go for number it. one, number one is something that we covered today, which is health is not something that you chase after health is something that you attract to you by the person you become. So every day, just find a way to get 1% better in some area of your life, maybe a better husband or better wife, better mother, better father, better brother, better sister, a little bit better with your health, a little bit better with your nutrition a little bit better with something to improve your sleep, just get 1% better, a little bit better in your knowledge base, learn about something that might seem outside of your sphere. You know, like if you're super into organic gardening, you know, check out a magazine on, I don't know, the, the fast food industry or something <laughs> you know, and see what not to do, you know? But um, so that's, that's, that's number one. And number two, it leans into what we just shared, but it's expanded with, from, from Caroline Leaf. And for me, it's to be a voice and not an echo, mm. um, especially right now, you know, with our massive, overwhelming amount of data, we're, we're, we're a, a lot of folks, we're just regurgitating things. And so actually take some time to think because oftentimes a person that you're at odds with and you think they are totally off their rocker, there is a level there somewhere of truth. And so to start to think about things, whether you agree with it or not, so that you can come to a place where you have an original idea, original thought, and not just regurgitation. So be a voice and not an echo right now when there's so much, we're in a, an echo chamber, really. You know, we need more folks actually taking data and, and, and birthing real knowledge with it. That probably be a voice and not an echo is some of the most 
sage wisdom that's been dropped to that question. That one hit me in the feels, like, hard. And I really appreciate that. I cannot do any more justice to what you shared. So uh, from the bottom of my heart, uh, thank you for being here. Uh, thank you for everybody who's going to listen to this for you sharing this time with us. I massively appreciate it. And for those of you listening, if you want a good laugh, uh, Sean and I have done many podcasts together on many different platforms. Just Google our name together and you'll find some blasts from the past because there are some there are some interviews. There was one where me, Sean, and Larry all cried together talking about parenthood. And uh, that thing was back in the day, back in the day. And so, brother, it was an absolute honor to have you to be on the show just to, to catch up. So thank you so much for being here. It's my pleasure, man. This was a blast. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Stick around for a minute while I kick everybody else out. So everybody, I'm going to tell you this right now. Like Sean said, do not become a filing cabinet for information and do nothing with it like this show. Do not take it, file it, and don't act on it. Grab a piece of it. Put it in. Prioritize your sleep. Prioritize your movement. Choose food that has integrity and intelligence Put it into your body and set yourself up to win. Be an advocate for your own health. And please, I mean please, go check out Sean's stuff from the podcast to the books. They are ones I read, I recommend, I've made videos on them, I share the content. He is an absolute wealth of knowledge and trust me, the hours he puts in behind the scenes dictates the quality of what you see and it is some of the most researched well put together supportive information that you could find so check out the model health show check out the book eat smarter check out the book sleep smarter and then go google his first book that came out in 2010 so he can laugh about it because he's been trying to hide on the internet but other than that i'm going to shut up now because we're going to go record the intro and it's time for me to play the sexy outro so remember relationships will always be the algorithms i will either see you in the next episode or you will hear me in your earballs but either way i'm out Thank you for listening to another episode of The Mind of George Show. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite channel that you listen to, whether it's in the car, on your run, or in front of the television. Make sure you leave a review to help other people know how much you love the show and quite frankly, help me know how much you love the show because I read them all. And if you want five minute daily insider nuggets on business, marketing, leadership, mindset, or any other tool that you would need to build and scale your company, make sure you register for my invite only newsletter. I call it the Lightkeeper Lessons. I hold nothing back here and I share everything that works for me, my friends and mentors, and thousands of my students around the world to thrive in life and keep our lighthouses shining brightly. We will eventually be charging for this, but for now, for you, because you're listening to the podcast, it's free. So if you want to sign up, go to www.lightkeeper.club, fill out the application, and then check your inbox because it's magic. You actually have to open the emails to get the gifts inside. Otherwise, you can get access to my Relationships Beats Algorithms Facebook community and other free resources on the website. So just go to www.mindofgeorge.com and I'll see you in the next episode.